It's been a fortnight since we last did the show. We took some time off so Charlie could get back from Australia. And honestly, could our timing have been any worse? In the 14 days since we've been away, we've had not one, but three pay-per-views, including the largest paid attendance for a wrestling event of all time. Mercedes Monet has appeared in AEW. John Cena has returned to WWE. We've had an all-time great cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. And CM Punk has been fired from AEW, just your run-of-the-mill fortnight in professional wrestling. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster. He is Charlie Beckett, professional rugby player. Back in the UK, Mr. Beckett, welcome back to Britannia. Thank you very much. It is good to be back, everyone. Uh, It's a long, old way, Australia. I was just telling Jack off air about the trials and tribulations of the flight, but we are back. And yeah, what um, of all the weeks to take off, I thought I'd fly last Friday as all this carnage ensued. You, you flew the Friday before All In, then mm-hmm. you had some traveling time and you were doing various bits and pieces. It has been, we've said this for weeks and weeks on this podcast, wrestling is mad at the moment. Is this the most mad fortnight we've, e- we've ever had? I want to say yes, but I feel like we say that every time there's a mad, like, it's just such a mad, like, period when, when like, we look back at the Attitude Era or the Ruthless Aggression Era, I'll be fascinated in 10 years' time what wrestling historians look back at this era and call it. And it's ending but the absolutely bonkers era. I don't know what. Like, there's just so much happening and you can't predict what's going to happen next. No, although some would say we could have predicted what we're going to talk about first. We'll get into it in a moment. Remember, rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. He is Charlie underscore Beckett on most social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley as well. So all in to come, then all out, then payback, then everything else that's been going on in wrestling. But let's start with something where if you went back in our archives, you would almost certainly find Charlie Beckett predicting this. AEW has terminated the contract of CM Punk for cause after an incident backstage at Wembley at AEW All In. Even now, we still don't have all the details, but it appears pretty uncontentious to say there was a backstage altercation between Punk and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. The aftermath of it left Tony Khan, in his words, fearing for his life. He fired CM Punk before collision in Chicago and before All Out the very next night. Come on then, Charlie, dig into this one. So probably everyone's expecting me to quite smug on this and Victor, but I'm not at all because actually, as much as I said I thought this would happen, it's just a massive shame. Like, it's a huge shame for AEW. It's a huge shame for all the talent at AEW that didn't get to work with Punk that would have wanted to. It's a huge shame for Punk. It's a huge shame, I think, for Tony Khan. But most importantly, it's a massive shame for all us wrestling fans. Like, whatever you say about Punk the person, about Phil Brooks, whether you like him or not... You can't say you didn't get excited to see him wrestle. You can't say that there were still matches in AEW you wanted to see him have, storylines you wanted to see him pursue. And it just is such a shame that we're not going to get to see them now. Like, there is no way back in AEW now. Whether WWE take a gamble on him, I don't know. He's not going to go and wrestle in the indies. He doesn't have that love for it, you don't believe. He he does what he does for money, which you can't blame him. We all work for money, essentially. Anyone who doesn't, I think, is kidding themselves. So he wants to go where the money is. And I just think it's a sad state of affairs. I don't blame Tony Khan for doing it. I think it sounds like his hands were tied because, and we'll get into it more, you hear the reports, like I say, we don't know exactly what happened. You hear the reports of actually it was started by Jungle Boy or he was antagonised. But the problem is there's been in, what is it, 12 to 18 months of Punk being back, there has been a number of incidents now 
And whether it was his fault or who started it or not, the common denominator is CM Punk. And in the end, at some point, you have to look at it and go, okay, there's one person who's involved in all of these. How can he he or she, if it's a she, but in this case, he, not be the problem? I look at it and, and I think that's pretty much bang on the money. I think if you're Tony Khan and you feel your life has been threatened, you have to let that person go just to protect yourself. And by the way, I'm absolutely certain there's going to be an explosive response from Punk down the line. And this is probably going to end up in the courts, I I would think. But I think if you legitimately, as Tony Khan, feel your life has been threatened, you have to let that person go. You cannot let that behavior stand. However, what I'm really interested in, in your perspective on is this. You have spent your life in team environments. You've spent your life in locker rooms. What is going on in this AEW locker room for there to be incident after incident after incident? Is it realistic to say Punk has just been dropped in and is a catalyst and it was all plain sailing until Punk arrived? Or is there something deeper going on? Because I look, what's Jack Perry doing at Wembley on the biggest show of the year behaving like this? What's the elite doing sort of prodding Punk on being the elite. What's Punk doing responding? It just is so childish. Yeah, so so wrestling is unique, isn't it, in the fact that as much as they're a team, they work for the same company, they're all very individual, they all want to get ahead, and they're actually in competition with each other. So that brings a different dynamic about, whereas in rugby change room, yes, there's competition for places like myself and the other second rows all want that starting shirt at the weekend, but at the end of the day, 99.9% of us want the team to win at the weekend because that's good for all of us. So... There is that difference, I'd say, but I think changing rooms I've been like that. Well, I've never been changing like that, but the the quote unquote worst ones I've been is when there's no real leadership and there's no real fear of the consequences for acting out. So I don't know what the discipline process is in AW. I don't know what the leadership is like, both in the wrestlers and the official leadership of the company, but it strikes me as it's quite cowboy in there. It's pretty much the Wild West. People do what they want. They act first and think after. And that doesn't strike me as a place where the athletes, in this case, the wrestlers, are worried about the consequence of their actions if they act out. Is anything bad going to happen? Probably not. So I think Tony Khan really needs to make this statement of, actually, guys, there there are there are consequences to your actions. It doesn't matter who you are. CM Punk was the biggest draw they could have ever brought in. He probably would have been their highest paid wrestler, we, we imagine, or up there to get him back from not wrestling for so long. If he's going to act out and get fired. And yes, it was a lot of acting out, but now the line has been drawn of, there are there are um, consequences for actions. I'm not scared of, because in the past, he might be scared. He fires someone like the Elite, for example. They go WWE. Well, now AEW shown that they're not a one or two superstar company. There is a lot of wrestlers in there who people will pay to see. Eighty Over 80,000 people in London will pay to go and see them. So actually, you aren't bigger than the company anymore. So that probably brings the power across to Tony Khan a bit more. He hasn't had it in the past. But I think this is quite a watershed moment in the discipline and leadership of AEW because now Tony Khan has shown you act out, he will he will act like this. It, it's just, ex- excuse me, it's just extraordinary. Just extraordinary that it has come to this and yet somehow it's entirely predictable. I, I felt really sad when I saw this. I really did. I, I just... It took the shine off all in for me. It made me quite disillusioned with wrestling that these guys could not just grow up. I think for me, that was my overwhelming thing. Look at what you've lost and look at what you've taken away 
selfishly from me as a fan. Look at what I could have enjoyed and I would have given you money to enjoy that I now can't because some combination and whether it's 80-20 punk, 80-20 punk being antagonized and reacted, who knows? It just really stuck in my craw. CM Punk's run in AEW, we go from the debut or the second episode of Rampage in Chicago to him being fired after the biggest paid wrestling attendance of all time. It's two years with a bit of injury in between, plus a suspension. Was CM Punk a success for AEW? That's a very good question, Jack. Was he a success for AEW as in they got a professional wrestler who did his job, who was great for the company, PR and helped the locker room and was a veteran and helped everyone bring the company forward. No. Was it a success in CM Punk? Will be happy with the run he had? No. Was it a success in the fact that more people are watching AEW? The company's in a better place than it's ever been. And a lot of people are talking about it in a way they wouldn't have. And they showed that they're a big enough entity to bring the biggest name in wrestling out of, out of retirement. Yes. Like th- there's definitely success to be taken as much as sadness is the main emotion on it. It's such a shame. We, we lost so much that we didn't get from this run, but AEW when CM Punk arrived and AEW when Punk is leaving, AEW is in a much better place. You can't, you can't argue it's not. And you can't argue that Punk didn't have a big say in that. Him arriving got lots more eyes on it. Him arriving got people taking the place seriously. Him arriving will have helped wrestlers. There are wrestlers in that locker room who will have been helped by seeing Punk being around. Not all of them, obviously, but there are some in there who will have helped. They started a whole new Friday night show that's been fairly successful because of CM Punk. Sorry, Saturday night show because of CM Punk. So I think you have to say, I think if you ask Tony Khan if he'd do it again for his own health and stress, probably not. But if you ask Tony Khan if he'd do it again, for the good of AEW, you'd probably have to say yes from a business point of view. And given CM Punk is now floating around out there in the ether, there is a certain booking committee in Stamford, Connecticut, I would think that will be asking themselves long and hard, do we want to go into business again with CM Punk? If you were Triple H, WWE, the creative team, and you know CM Punk is out there, do you go and get him? Ah, uh, I've had the. We've said this, but I not for my locker room. No, I think it's he's a terrible man to add to your locker room. I've 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 made this point many a time. If I'm only bothered about making money, yeah, and I bring him back at the Rumble. Imagine that's an all-time Rumble moment. Is the Rumble not too far away? Imagine cult personality hits in like the twenty-two spot. You 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 need somewhere without a roof because it would be blown off. But gun to my head, no, I wouldn't. Because I just think in two years, we'd be sat here again having the same conversation. So we're addicted to punk. That's that, yeah. that The man who is straight edge is actually an addiction for wrestling fans. Because I last time was, nah, it'll be fine. It'll be great. And I was wrong. It, it wasn't. And you this time again, no, for my locker room, it'd be terrible. But for the pop of him coming back. And we've all fantasy booked in our heads. Ah, oh, we could. Do- I, I saw a great one online where someone said at Survivor Series in Chicago, just have a crowd shot of someone and have two or three rows back CM Punk in the crowd and nothing more. And then Triple H doesn't talk about it about the at the post-event press conference. And then the roar after Survivor Series, it's all dark. The lights go up and then Punk sat cross-legged in the ring going, did you miss me? I mean, like we've all fantasy booked it. Why can't we get enough of this, man? What is it? 
I honestly don't know. It's because whatever he does, you have to watch. He is must-see, and he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant professional wrestler. But you can never get away from how good this man is when he's on. Like the match he had with Joe at all. Imagine that happening backstage and then going and giving that match. Like, if something like that happened to me before a game and you asked me out to go and play well, no chance. He goes out and has an absolute classic that almost steals a show. So he's so good at what he does. And there's so much potential for him back in WWE. You just know he'd be, he gets six months in and he'd start acting up. But because I'm not the man who has to deal with it, I'm not Triple H, I'm not Vince McMahon, I'm not I'm not any of these people. Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> we I'm love being it. a very irresponsible fan now. Yeah, fine, let's do it. That's the thing. That, I think, is what it boils down to. As much as everyone goes, oh, we can't believe it's happened again. If someone said, yeah, but he's back on pay-per-view on Sunday. They take our money. Uh, look, Charlie underscore Beckett on most social media is him. Jack underscore Murley is me. We're talking all out and payback a little later. Let's get on to all in then. AEW set an all-time paid attendance record for a show anywhere in the world at Wembley a couple of Saturdays back. 81,035 pack out the home of football in the UK. There was no appearance by Edge. There was no turn by Cole or MJF, but we did get a debut on AEW television for Mercedes Monet and an unforgettable night of action. I was there. Sorry, but you weren't. What no, was your was take not. as a fan watching from the outside in? I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a really, really good show. And it wasn't too long. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be, which is my big issue with AW shows, we all know. Uh, I thought it was such an incredible spectacle to see that many people in the stadium to watch wrestling. There, was, there wasn't really a bad match, per se. They weren't all for my taste, but there wasn't a bad match. I thought... The main event delivered away. I didn't think it was the fact no one turned was sensational. And now I'm still waiting for one of them to turn eventually. But now we're just getting them as best mates and Ring of Honor tag champs. I, I, yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What, what was it like being there? It's such a hard one because I can objectively analyze how it made me feel. Yeah. That That is the problem. I, I could, if I was trying to pick it apart, if I was trying to be picky, I would say, they, they, there were little things they could do. They probably needed to elevate the entrance ramp a little bit because you couldn't see some things. They probably need to elevate the ring a little bit because there were some things you couldn't see. They definitely needed to get the bar staff working a bit quicker because it. I don't even drink, but it was painful at the bar. None of that matters in terms of the grand scheme of it. It was just sensational to be there amongst all those wrestling fans and, and just the action itself was extraordinary. I want your most favorite moments in a bit, but for me, just being there, seeing Sting in front of that crowd was sensational. Adam Cole and MJF pull out a classic as well. And bizarrely, Stadium Stampede was just ridiculous to be there involved because I don't know how it came across on TV, although I have watched it back. You sit there and you just hear chants from around the arena and you look up and you can see in the Royal Box, Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli just coming out of the Royal Box, just brawling. And it was the biggest adrenaline rush. I'm so sorry and sad you couldn't have been there because you would have loved it. That's all I can say. You'd have loved it. You sound like you were going to cry for a second there, Jack, and say, honestly, it's all right. I was in Sydney. I was okay. Um... I was um, sceptical about staging Stampede in person, wasn't I? I was fascinated to hear how that was from you. Because on, on telly, it always comes across as a bit mental, but good fun. And it sounds like from what we've spoken about, it worked um, in the stadium brilliantly. I also think it must be so funny. Imagine being in the middle of that match 
and like you're covered in blood and you've done your bit and then the cameras swing to something else and then you just stop and have to like walk off to the royal box together and then just like and three two one fight again like the adrenaline up and down must be so strange in that match um yeah that was my surprise match of the night actually i really enjoyed stadium stampede when i've thought before they're they're silly but okay but i enjoyed this one a lot for me the highlight was the main event and i think it's always tough when a main event is hyped up especially for a show this big and it's tough for it to deliver but boy it did and Cole and MGF are so good. Like, they are so good. And everyone's known how good Adam Cole is as a wrestler for a long time. Everyone's known what a good promo MGF is for a long time. No one gives MGF credit enough or hasn't in the past for how good he is in the ring. And he's, I don't know if being with Cole is elevating him more or we're just seeing more of it as he's a baby face. He's relying on his wrestling more than his smack talking. But I thought it was brilliant. And for those boys to open and close the show on the biggest show in the history of wrestling... That's that's some feat for those, Tim. It felt like a big show as well. I, I, I was surprised by the amount of pyro there was. I don't know why, but because as we said before, no one's done this but WWE. You don't know how it's going to feel. And actually, when you watch it back and you see the staging and the amount of fireworks and, you know, Chris Jericho living his dream, getting to do the old Freddie Mercury at Wembley, it was just phenomenal. Here's the thing I think that is the biggest thing to come out of this the aw is doing it again next year all yeah. in 2024 they have made wembley their uk home yeah we've spoken about this a lot of you can't book Wembley now if you're wwe it's just copying aw which is mad isn't it um that's huge and oh god i'll be there next year i will move mountains to be there next year because they'll sell it out again got no doubt about that and they'll have to do something even bigger um i know they lost but how cool a house of black yeah, they, they were And their, their entrance with, obviously, the uh, tribute to Bray Wyatt must have been very emotional to be there. But yeah, House of Black, a cool man. Well, well, I, I don't know how well it was picked up on, on TV. And I don't <clears> know if this was a production thing or this was genuinely fans. But so we, we were right down on the pitch. We were sat on the pitch, which meant we were looking up at the ring. And occasionally you'd look up and you would just see this tier after tier after tier, this bowl effect of Wembley. And because they didn't elevate the entrance ramp, what you ended up doing a lot was looking around at the big screen. And there was one moment we turned around to look at the big screen behind us and people had unfurled banner after banner after banner for the House of Black. But everyone was over. Every Mm. single person was over. And it didn't feel long. I mean, we got in at five. We didn't leave till 10. That's five hours. And AEW go hell for leather. There was no break. It didn't feel long. It didn't feel like by the end we were exhausted. And, and the folks I was there with felt it was a better experience than Clash at the Castle. It felt more significant. It felt like it was more canon. I personally enjoyed Clash as well. I thought they were different beasts, but that was the view of people I was there with. That, that's a big statement. And it brings on to a conversation we had quite in depth actually the other day on text of, what do you do now if you WWE? Like, Cena has teased a UK WrestleMania. Like, that's happening at some point. I imagine they probably had Wembley eyed up for it because Wembley is the biggest stadium in the UK. You can't use Wembley now. You can't do that. Where where do you go? This is the thing. If you're WWE, and this is why, as we've said many times, I think WWE made a huge mistake not doing money in the bank at at Wembley. Maybe they just didn't get there in time. Maybe AEW had it all sewed up. They didn't have the choice. But now if, if you're... WWE, do you do Twickenham? Do you do 
Murray Field? Do you go back to Cardiff? None of those will feel as big. So Twickenham's the next biggest. Twickenham's over 80,000. Then you're looking at the likes of Old Trafford, but Old Trafford's an old stadium. I'm not sure you could get everything in for WWE at Old Trafford. Um, the Spurs stadium is the obvious one because it's the most amazing stadium, but I'm going to use the words only. It's only 60,000. Now, you could argue that over two nights, that's 120,000 people in, and actually that's a huge event, and it would be. And it's such a cool stadium, and they do amazing things with it. But AW be sat there going, WrestleMania, and you're 20,000 less than we got for All In. All right, lads, well done. Murrayfield's only 70,000 up in Scotland. Um, the one to be interested is, I don't know when they did Clash. They closed off the end of the stadium, didn't they? So there was only 50-odd thousand in. Now, was that a choice WWE made? Or do they have to do that? Because if you opened all of the Millennium Stadium, that's, I think, 75,000. With the roof on and people on the floor, you could get it to round 80. WWE have never had an issue fudging their numbers when it comes to attendances before. That would be an interesting one if they took it back to Cardiff with the roof on. But, and I'll let Jack pitch his idea, Mr. Murley actually had a very good idea of where they could go. Well, I do, but I just want to come into on that before I get to my excellent idea, which WWE can have. The problem WWE have got, and I don't know whether this is really a problem, because let's be honest, the moment WWE announce a Mania, a SummerSlam, a Survivor Series, Sold whatever out. for the UK, it's selling out. So this may be a, a, a the 10% of smart fans overthinking this, but WWE wants to be the biggest or they want to be the best. They want to go to the most state-of-the-art stadium or the one with the most history. Wembley is both of those. So that's the problem WWE have got. They can't go bigger and they can't go for anywhere with more heritage. I think if I were WWE, I'd be taking a serious look at Croke Park in Ireland. And I'd be saying, I know UK fans, we've promised you a UK WrestleMania. We're going to take it to Ireland because that Croke Park would be an amazing experience. They got the Irish uh, roster stars to, to make it an amazing event. UK fans can hop over. It will take no time to do. If I was WWE, I'd be putting a pin in the UK and saying, Ireland's where I'm going to take my next big stadium show in this part of the world. Imagine Becky Lynch main eventing a mania in Ireland. It'd be incredible. Also, Crow Park. So, again, Crow Park is an older stadium. So, I don't know logistically how it would work. I'm sure they can make it work. It's such a cool place. It's the home of Gaelic football. Like, it's a very, very cool. It's enormous. The stands are huge. It's a very cool stadium. Um, and imagine the way they'd lean into all the history of Celtic Warriors and the, the history, the Gaelic history for their promotional stuff. And Ireland's a great place. Like, I challenge anyone to go to Ireland and not have fun. Even a man like yourself, Jack, who doesn't drink Guinness, I'd challenge you to go and not have fun in Ireland. Oh, that's a question. Did Dan, our mate Dan, your mate Dan, who I know through wrestling, who we went to clash with, did he have a pint as bad as the pint at uh, Cardiff from Wembley? Okay, so I don't want to ever do down anyone doing their jobs. Yes. But it must be said that they could have been quicker at Wembley in terms of getting the pints out. So he had one. Some drunk Egypt down the line kicked it over. Oh, um, God. But they were they were so slow that we got in the queue and the pay-per-view started and we heard Samoa Joe's music play and we were still in the queue. And it was myself, Dan, and a woman we met in the queue who was lovely. And we sort of said, we got a choice here. Do we see CM Punk's entrance or do we stay in the queue? And we all ran to the entrance, watched yeah. him come in, then went back to the queue. Turns out it was fate. Um, yeah, it, I I do going back to I do Croke Park. Yeah. Because also here's the other thing: the weather here is terrible. And AEW have got the summer in London as well. So if you're WWE, you can't do 
at a stadium without a roof in the UK, uh, a show in winter, you have to. It, it's and that's that's their problem. You want to do Mania in April, you really need to use the Millennium Stadium, Cardiff Principality, because it's the only one big enough with a roof. Because you can put your little marquee up like they do, little marquee. It's a huge thing they put up, but <laughs> your little pop up tent yeah. over the ring. If you're on the floor and it's raining in the UK in April, hideous. That's not going to be. It doesn't matter how good the wrestling is. That's not going to be fun because it's going to be cold and wet. Yeah, and you and you're going to get people are going to be slipping coming to the ring. So it's it's a logistical conundrum for WWE. And when people say AEW isn't competitive with WWE, there are many many matrices in which that is true. They are not competition, but here. They've really put WWE in a bind. Now, let's go on as if the show wasn't already done to the pay-per-views we had after All In. WWE Payback and AEW All Out. I'm going to be completely honest and say I've dipped into both. I haven't watched all of them all the way Agreed. through. Agreed. I haven't got enough time in my life. However, they're pretty good buffets of wrestling if you want mm. to dip in. What have you enjoyed from those two shows? Well, the, the main event of, and it wasn't the actual main event, but the best match on either show was the cage match, wasn't it? Becky and uh, Trish just absolutely. I know their their rivalry hasn't been quite what everyone wanted. What they wanted, they didn't get their match at SummerSlam. It's kind of stuttered through this rivalry, hasn't it? In a lot of ways, all worth it for that cage match. One of the all time cage matches, men or women, just one of the all time cage matches. Period. It was absolutely brilliant. I've heard a lot of people say exactly that, including people in the industry. And I'm not a huge cage match fan. I particularly don't like the escape over the top or out the door. They did it spectacularly. That, that That is the blueprint on how to do an amazing cage match. And Trish Stratus, to come back, to go heel, to have that quality of match, to feel that relevant, put her in the Hall of Fame again. Make her a two-time Hall of Famer. I don't care. Like, she deserves it. And I've, I've heard idiots online. That's not fair. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I've heard idiots. People, people I strongly disagree with saying, Oh, this run. Why is she why is she taking up space on the roster? If that is you, I'd respectfully suggest you need your head checked. Trish Stratus could take space up in my life wherever she likes at any point. See her forehead, mate. See what she's putting her body through. Yes. See that that is exactly what everyone's focusing on with Trish Stratus, is her forehead as well. The red-blooded males of the world. Get ye minds out the gutter. I was talking about her wrestling I'm a red-blooded male. Yes, you are. Look, we're both wearing red today as well. Look at us. Goodness sake. Kind of. Um, no, it was incredible. Those two had a brilliant match. I really liked the main event as well of Payback. I really, really enjoyed um, Shinsuke versus Seth. I thought just to have... I've loved the Bloodline story. Everyone on this podcast knows I've loved it. It was actually quite nice to have a little rest from it in the main event of a pay-per-view. And to go away from a 40-minute opera of a soap opera event that could happen to just a really good wrestling match where the bad guy was trying to beat the good guy by just taking out his back. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And our boys lost the tag titles, didn't they? They did, but and I want I initially when I saw it, I went, ah no, because I saw the results before I saw the match and the watch. I thought, no, I don't like that. But actually, the match was sensational. Like it was a really, really good tag street fight, I thought. And the Judgment Day are the best thing in WWE at the moment. And to have them all draped in gold, it's very, very good. I like it a lot. It's fantastic. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Battleground. Yes. Has for a long time been your pick for the best B pay-per-view. 2016, baby. 
I wonder if this was good enough WWE payback to be the best B pay-per-view, or at least in the conversation. Since Battleground 2016. It's not going to dislodge Battleground 2016. No, Battleground 2016 was amazing. Here's another thing I thought, and this, this is a good stat. Since WrestleMania, how many times has Roman Reigns defended the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship? One? One. That's mental. <laughs> One single time. It's tough to defend him when you say that, isn't it? So are we now at a point where we would concede, where I would concede that maybe, just maybe, they should have taken the belt off him at WrestleMania? And I say it because we just had a really good pay-per-view without him on it. Imagine how good that pay-per-view could have been <sighs> had it been Cody or, or, or Seth for the act, the, the quote, real world title versus the World Heavyweight Championship. It is an interesting one, is it? Because I'm a huge Reigns fan. Everyone knows this. And I love waiting. I love this run. But I've gone on record before that I think it hurts the product when the guy who holds the main title can't be bothered to turn up to work. And we all know he's not going to be there week in, week out. We know that's not Roman Reigns. But to have defended it once since WrestleMania four months ago is pretty shoddy, isn't it? And that's poor booking from WWE, I think, actually. I know he's been involved in other main events, like the tag match with the Usos and stuff, but, yeah, I think we need him more than that. Well, if absence makes a heart grow fonder, the problem is you've just said it was quite nice not to have yeah. it. I mean, that, that's the words that came out of your mouth, and I wouldn't disagree. So it's an interesting time. We did so see the, the Bloodline storyline move forward, in the sense that Jimmy Uso, excuse me, Jay Uso, is now a member of the WWE Raw roster. Something's going on there. They've got him on Raw, and someone's going to end up on SmackDown. This is going to be Cody, right? Got to be. That's how they get Cody back across to face uh, Roman for the Universe title of Mania, don't they, eventually, I think. Really, really interested to see how Jay Uso goes properly in a singles run here. Properly in a singles run. Um, I like it. I don't dislike it at all. And I think it keeps him away from Jimmy before we eventually get to that at Mania because we've got to expect that's what we get in the Mania and what a match that is. I think we next see them face off in the Rumble. I think we see Jimmy and Jay face each other in the Rumble next. I love those Rumble moments. That's where the Rumble, that's when you have an actual brand split and that's where the Rumble can be incredible. So yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, got to be Cody going back. Also hilarious that Cody's the one doing the wheeling and dealing. Like when what what's going on there? He's like, um, I'm, I'm not an EVP in AEW anymore, but I'm but a little bit of an EVP here. I'm like a GM. Um, but I just want to talk briefly at some point about uh, Gunther and Chad Gable. Go for it now. Because Tell me I, why this match is such a favourite. Genuinely, we've had three pay-per-views across the last two weeks. Incredible match in all of them. I think the best match we've had in the last few weeks was on the main event of Raw. I really, really do. I think that it was just... Unbelievable. So Gunther's now the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion ever, which is sensational. Honky Top Man's had that record for a long, long time. Just the way they booked this trilogy, we've all known for a long time Chad Gable can go in the ring. He's a former US Olympian. He was so unlucky with what happened with Jason Jordan, American Alpha, and he struggled to find his feet after that. He found his feet as this comedy character in the Alpha Academy and has been hilarious. He's been brilliant with Otis. But then he challenged Gunther and Gunther didn't take him seriously, and he worried him a little in that five-minute match. Then they had a longer match that Gable won by count-out, which really, really worried Gunther. And now you're starting to look at being like, okay, Chad Gable is a serious threat. Like, this man can wrestle. And 
we've seen a very much more serious side of him. And then this main event was just sensational. Like I, I managed to watch it unspoiled and I just had this horrible feeling that WWE were going to take the title off Gunther before he broke the record that close. And I bit on, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. No, I'm not. Sorry, that was awful. So a real pro like Jack would have muted his mic and just carried on. I give you real raw footage, ladies and gentlemen, of me almost sneezing. Well, we found um, the social footage for this week. Yes, okay. I was about, I was fighting that for about 30 <laughs> seconds. No, I thought they were going to take it off him. And the, the false finishes are brilliant. The action's brilliant. The emotion of having Chad Gable's kids in the front row, sensational. And the fact that it takes Gunther's three-piece symphony to finish him off. But he doesn't even try to pin him before that. Gunther knows all three finishes will, it will take. And it's not often you'll see a trilogy where the same man wins all three and I'm sat here going, give me one more. Like, well, it's fast lane, isn't it? In a few weeks, I think it's fast lane. Give me a 30-minute Ironman match there. And honestly, I think Gable's the man to take the title off him. Wouldn't... I mean, you can just go in so many ways with this. I, I think what they, they... They have created a start. And and frankly, they they deserve all the credit in the world for, for this storyline, WWE, we talk a lot about the bloodline. We talk about the Judgment Day. And in Gunther, hard to argue WWE isn't firing on all cylinders creatively. And they're going to have two moments with Gunther. They're going to have the moment someone beats him and they create a new star instantly. He has to be the front runner to win the Rumble and dethrone yeah. Seth Rollins. He has yeah. to be. And what a moment that's going to be. Would you be tempted to take him all the way to Mania and do title versus title? But when do we last see that? We haven't seen that in a long time. and It's something different, but I wouldn't do that um, personally. I think you have to capitalise on Chad Gable now. I think this is the most serious. I, I would have Gable try and antagonise Gunther into this match, Ironman match somehow. Or maybe something like, if I don't win, I don't like this place off the top of my head, I won't challenge for a tackle again. Something like that. Give him some reason for Gunther to give him this match. The stakes are high. Um, and then I would have Gunther just lose his mind to the fact he's lost the title and just start decimating everything and everyone. I'd throw him in at number one in the Rumble again. He went coast to coast last time and lost to Cody. I'd be tempted to have Gunther and Cody as the last two again, genuinely. Run it back and see people be like, oh, are they really going to do Cody winning it two years in a row? And have Gunther just annihilate him at the end. Find Cody to get to Roman some other way and have Gunther versus Seth Rollins for the world title at Mania because tell me that's not a match you want to see. It is, and it's purely because of the way they've built him. If if none of these matches have floated your boat, by the way, there was a five-star match, according to Meltzer, at AEW All Out. The strap match between Brian Danielson mm. and Ricky Starks. Brutality defined. Starks elevated in defeat. Danielson is back and slotted into that CM Punk-shaped hole on collision. AEW elevating new stars, as they're going to have to do. Yeah, Ricky Starks looked the most credible threat I've ever seen him look. Um, Brian Danielson, man, he's just a savage, isn't he? Like, he was so good as Daniel Bryan, but in AEW, they've just let him... He's just this mild-mannered, meek little vegan, isn't he, you think? And then you put him in a wrestling ring, and he's like, ah, I am the American Dragon! And he's just mental and a savage and brutal beyond belief. I'd like to think that's what would happen if they put me in the wrestling yes. ring. Yes. What would you be? The Cornish what? If he's the American dragon, you can't say pasty. I will not let you say pasty. It's tough because that's where I was going. I was going to say Colossus. Interesting. I'm not sure how big you'd look next to the wrestlers. Yeah, it's very difficult. All right, listeners. Jack Murley would be the Cornish... Queer. 
No. <laughs> it's an interesting one. It's I can I can reclaim that. I can take that yeah, yeah. myself to use a phrase. Um let's <laughs> let's move on. And quickly to everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Something from everyday life is going back to developmental because we hate it. And something from everyday life is getting the push. It's earning the push because we love it. First or second, Mr. Beckett? Uh second this week. Okay, so earning the push is you because you do another podcast and you've been made a full-time host of your championship rugby podcast as well. You're smashing the world of podcasting. So Thank you, but that's two weeks in a row you've given me the push now. It's not, it makes me very uncomfortable. All right, I'll give you another one. I'm re-watching Superstore on Netflix and Sandra, yes. Sandra from Superstore. The low-key MVP, Sandra, isn't oh, she? She gets funny... She gets funnier and funnier. I think when you watch it, the first time you watch it, you don't notice her for a few series. But actually, I reckon I need to watch it back as well. Watching it back, I bet she's hilarious the whole time through. Yeah, it's my second watch of it. And you're absolutely right. If you've not seen it, find it on Netflix. If you need a 20-minute laugh, Superstore is your thing. It's a moment she's doing a ukulele version of Creep by Radiohead that I just went, yep, she's she's my gal. So uh, Charlie and Sandra from Superstore. I live for the um, world, and there has to be a world, where Dwight from The Office and Dina from Superstore meet. <laughs> that's that's the world I want. That There's got to be a world somewhere where those two meet because they're just outstanding. The crossover needs to happen. Uh, and what's going back to developmental for me? Do you know what? I'm in a pretty good mood, but I am going to throw in there the platform formerly known as Twitter, X. Mm-hmm. Pretty unusable at the moment. Yeah. Pretty unusable. Oh. I just, most of the X's, not tweets, posts, the tweets I see of people I don't follow. Like, I don't know what the algorithm's doing, but I don't, like, I see that Jack has tweeted if Jack shares it on his Instagram story. Like, I don't see Jack's tweets. I don't, people I follow, like, following people doesn't matter anymore because they decide what they're showing you. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't enjoy using it as much as I used to. It's a first world problem, but I'm going to throw it out mm-hmm. there. All right, give me yours quickly. Earning the push is I'm back with my dog. In the hey. world, at least. And anyone who follows me on Instagram will know I'm about my dog because I haven't stopped posting about him. And I don't care. I will continue to. I have missed this dog. I said it to my girlfriend. And I said, this includes you when I lived in Jersey and you weren't there. I've never missed any human being more than I've missed this dog. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she went, thanks, Charlie. She, um, she, she knew. She yeah. would have known deep down. That if was- I have to make a decision between her and Otto, I hope she has a nice life away from us. Um, so, no, I'm back with my dog and I'm very, very happy about it. I'm about to take him for a walk after this. Um, and then back to that month is a twofold. First of all is the fact that I'm going for a walk in it. It's too hot. Ugh. I'm back in England and it's too hot. Like, who thought that would be the issue coming back from Australia? I think it's meant to get to 30 degrees today, and I'm not looking forward to that because we're just not equipped for it. Like, places where it's meant to get this hot, you turn the air conditioning on. We don't have the air conditioning. Sleeping at the moment is impossible. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. And it's September. September yeah. the 9th. So that is back development, but the, my main back developmental, and it's absolutely not the aeroplane or the airline's fault. It is my fault, but it is being too big and broad for normal seats on a plane. I was saying, Jack, before we came on air, on my flight from Dubai to Dublin, which is the way we came home, we then went Dublin to Liverpool, uh, I was sat in an aisle seat, which is brilliant. I could get a little bit more room, but any time, I was obviously falling asleep, any time the trolley went past, it either smacked into my shoulder if it came from behind me or my knee if it was coming from in front because I'm just too big for the seats. So no one's fault. There's nothing that can be done about it, but just it was annoying to say the least. Have you ever seen how they move orcas from Sorry. water park to water park? No, I haven't. I just think you could have gone in the hold in a special tank 
<laughs> right, I'll I'll pitch that next time to Emirates to see how much that'll cost me. And your girlfriend could have just popped down occasionally and, and just fed me, just throw some fed... food into the water. <laughs> As you just swam around it, just like sprayed you down. Uh, no, that is that is. Uh, do you know what? It's not the same. But on the train up to London. I had the same with people nudging me going through, mm-hmm. so I, I understand it. Um, look, final question before we wrap things up. We started with him, we'll end with him. How long is it till we see an explosive podcast from CM Punk in which he rips out everyone and everything in AEW? Oh, I think Mr. Rogan will be having words and trying to get him on there because what an episode that would be. Or, Phil, here. Yeah? We'll get Come on here. We'll work our schedule around you. And Jack and I can muster together maybe fifteen quid. So yeah, we do. Have you got? Have you got more? Have you got more than fifteen? Not at the moment. No. No. Not, nor do I. So we'll see. I'll take out a loan. Um, how long? I think it's interesting. He's been silent since, hasn't he? I think he's probably taking legal advice. But at some point, we'll all get too much. I would say in the next month. Yeah, I think it's not. It's not going to be long at all. And look. As much as we all try to swear off the CM Punk drug, we will all consume every. We'll be there. We'll be there. Um, imagine a Joe Rogan, a Joe Rogan CM Punk. That would just be sensational. Well, it's gonna he's he's gonna pop up somewhere, and we're gonna see it. But in the meantime, we're gonna have to wrap up a massive show. Uh, if you love wrestling as much as we do, remember to rate and review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. More and more of you doing it each and every week. For that, we are really grateful. He is Charlie underscore Beckett on most social media. I'm Jack underscore Merley as well. Thank you for listening for earning the push. Enjoy your rest of the week. We'll see you again next time. Until then, bye bye. 